seven eyes on big podcast thank you very very much for joining i am your co-host jeffrey the greek and this is big kurt here what's the platforms we're on big kurt we are on apple podcast spotify stitcher the podbean app as well as directly from our website which is eyesonbig.podbean.com of course big is spelled with the one we don't care if you're sick of us listing those things off. We're going to keep doing it because it is the cool thing to do uh, when you are a podcaster. We are uh, recording from a different spot. We're, we're downtown Minneapolis today for uh, scheduling reasons. This was a better place for Kurt and I to meet. And also for scheduling reasons, we're a day late because uh, that was me. I had uh, training classes that I could not uh, get out of. Not that I tried to get out of it. I mean, it's my job. Um and every now and then, uh, I think we're we the Wednesday Thursday time frame might be the one that's kind of the sketchiest for us to hit all the time. It's yeah, it's it's a little dicey midweek. Both of us have jobs. To be honest with you, when you texted me and said you couldn't record last night, I was pretty okay with it because I had been at a work function and was about four beers in. So um, I mean, obviously, when we rank and file where the podcast is of importance in our lives. I mean, it's pretty much near the top. Just kidding. Sometimes my wife listens to one out of 10 of these podcasts, and I don't want her to uh, hear that, but that's right. Eh, she's not listening to it. So, all right. So um, we, we got some bad news. Yeah. This signifies the midpoint of the regular season. This yeah, week. you could say last week that it wasn't quite the midpoint right. yet. This but is it. We, we are officially, once we go past, mm-hmm. you are either halfway for how many games your team right. has played or, or your more. past half yep. it's It's sad. I mean, it, you, you wait so long for this season to start, college football season, and I swear it goes from week two to week seven like this. Yeah, but and that's part of what makes it great, I think. It does. It's short and sweet. And, and that is, I think, the superpower of college football. You could say the NFL, but I don't know. I tire of the NFL. But baseball – Hockey, I mean, obviously the NBA, nobody's got time to watch all those games. 162 baseball games, 82 hockey games. Are you kidding me? I I consider the regular season for those two to just be preseason. Yeah. (laughs) The the playoffs is the real season. That's when I start paying attention. And even then, only if your team's probably in the postseason to begin with. That's true. But uh, but that is the, uh, the superpower of football. You just got to find three hours of time on Saturday, three yep. hours of time on Sunday, if that's your thing. I happen to do the best I can to try to find 15 hours of time on Saturday to watch. That's always the goal for me. Yeah. Doesn't if I can get that eight way, or but. 12, I'm pretty happy. Yeah. Shoot and we're, speaking of that, um, even though Big Kurt and I live in the same city, it's sometimes tough for us on Saturdays where I've gone to a couple games. We've been separate. I'm trying to coax Big Kurt into over to uh, the Greek's house uh, to watch some college foosball, and maybe we get a boozy rendition of the oh, Eyes yeah. on Big maybe podcast. we could record uh, tomorrow yeah. night or uh, Saturday night. That would be nice. Yeah. Um, all right, man. You want to get into your thing here? Yeah, let's start with housekeeping. Housekeeping. No, thank you. Sleeping. Housekeeping. Now, I'm going to change it up a little bit. We usually start with injuries. It's a little morbid. Let's start with something a little less depressing. Let's do some uh, recruiting. All right. Did you hear about the big flip that we had this past weekend? Please tell. Okay. Samson James is a running back from Indianapolis Avon High School. He's a four-star running back. He's the eighth-ranked running back in the country. He was committed to Ohio State. He was at Ohio State for the Indiana game. He was visiting Ohio State. Leaves 
his visit and decommits from Ohio State and then hours later commits on Twitter to Indiana. When Ohio State fans read that on their Twitter feed, how many of them reloaded it to see if they actually I'm clicked sh- on something, right. read it wrong, whatever? I'm sure they thought they read it wrong, but then they probably said, eh, whatever, we'll get another four-star. But for Indiana, this is big news. This is their highest-ranked recruit that they've landed in the modern recruiting rankings, which goes back about 15 years. Their highest recruit. Really? Yes. So I am really reading the boob Tom Allen wrong. Because not only so. not only did uh, Big Ten Network on one of the, on one of the I, or, uh, uh, Big Ten and Beyond mm-hmm. when they said who is the the most well coached team mm-hmm. in the Big Ten right now, Indiana got the vote. Wow, no kidding. And that was from uh, uh, Mace. So uh, Mason, um, Glenn Mason. Gotcha. Okay. So I get it. I mean, that's a coach yeah. saying. In, coaches get it. They understand that. Coaching Ohio State to a 6-0 and record, I'm not saying that anybody off the street can do it, but it's kind of expected. You know, They'd probably to a be degree. okay if I was their head coach. Right. They but may- seeing how Indiana has either won four games yeah. or uh, uh, been in the other two games that they've lost, it's, it's very impressive. It is impressive. So um, huge news for Indiana there. And so Mike Hart is their, their running backs coach, the former Michigan running back? At Indiana. Yes. Which maybe he's one of the reasons they're getting the. I mean, look at who they had. We're going to get to Morgan Ellison in a second here, but he was their starting running back. Then Cole Guest got injured. We see what Stevie Scott's doing. Now For they sure. land a four star guy. That's a good point. I, they're, they are bringing in some playmaking talent. Always liked watching him run in college. Oh, I did too. too. He was a great running back. So that, that brings us to the next one. Morgan Ellison is the suspended running back for Indiana this year. Was, was supposed to be the starter going into the year, has been suspended all year, and it looks like he's not going to play for IU ever again as of today. Uh, he received a two-and-a-half-year suspension from campus after a sexual misconduct hearing. So he is probably done as a Hoosier, which is bad news. More don't bad let, news. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you, if yep. that's true. Yeah, but. but I guess uh, IU fans aren't crying about that today with, with Samson James coming on board. More bad news. Illinois uh, safety, Bennett Williams. Did you see this one? He's been dismissed from the team. This was the freshman All-American last year for Illinois. He was, uh, if you recall from our earlier cast, suspended for the first three games, came back for the Penn State game, played sparingly, and they said he was injured. He did not travel to Rutgers last week and then dismissed this week. Something tells me he was not injured at all and that they were giving him one last try and, and without saying, without telling the world that he had screwed up again. So he's wow. gone. He was a freshman All-American. They're, the Illinois' last two freshman All-Americans are Mike Dudick and Bennett Williams. One dismissed from the team. One has four different new ACLs. Yes, correct. Wow. So a little bad news there for Illinois. Uh, how about, uh, so we had talked about this earlier in the week. Greg Bell has left the the Nebraska program, right? Running back for Nebraska. He's transferring, and in the transfer paper from the University of Nebraska, he was blocked from several schools. And Pretty much everybody Nebraska is playing in the next three years. Well, it's any Big Ten school. It's Oregon State, which is where a lot of their old coaches went to, and then everyone else they're playing non-conference for the next three years, which was confusing to me because I thought the NCAA got rid of that. You know, that, this is something that's been going on for decades. People transfer, 
schools block them from certain schools, especially if they're, they're on their schedule or with, within their conference. So I looked it up. There was a new rule that took effect. I'm sorry, it, it was ratified this summer. Does, it's called the notification of transfer rule. So when a student athlete requests a transfer, a school must file within two days of that request and submit that player's name to a national database. As of October 15, 2018, they can no longer block schools. So he, he, if he had waited one more week, he could go wherever he wants. I wonder if Greg Bell knew that when he was transferring. Wow. That's crazy. He could not have known that. Otherwise, I would, it would just open him up yeah. to anywhere. You know, I mean, just I mean, anywhere he wants to go, but certainly any, right. anybody that's not on the list. So. I, I'm sure he didn't know, and why nobody told him, we may never know. Hmm. All right, uh, moving on to injuries. Jack Hockaday, Iowa linebacker, has a knee problem. He is doubtful for this week's game. Jerome Washington, Rutgers tight end, undisclosed injury is doubtful. And that explains why he did not play last week against Illinois. Xander Newville, Wisconsin tight end, has an undisclosed leg injury and is out for the season. Now, the remainder of these are suspended all for targeting. Armani Jones, linebacker Iowa. Trey Watson, linebacker Maryland. Rayshad Lewis, defensive back Maryland. Scott Nelson, defensive back Wisconsin. So all those guys are for the first half, first half this week. This week. Yeah. And I, I can't speak on all of those, but... Amani Jones's hit, the only reason he got suspended was because it was a violent hit where he just rocked that Minnesota guy. He got penalized for a hard hit. Correct. For a good It was shoulder to shoulder. Physical hard hit. Yeah. And that leaves so it's no longer allowed. The two linebacker two players of for Iowa players that you listed off there are both middle linebackers. Which will come into play for your predictions. Yes. Yeah. Uh one more injury or interesting thing that I'm just shocked at how small uh, amount of press it got, it got at the time that it got this week. Urban Meyer just went down to a knee. That's right. During the game, come to find out, it it was a cyst that's in his head that causes him big time headaches. And this is a known thing. He's had this going on for a while, I assume. Yeah, but I mean, but to take him down to a, to a knee, yeah, uh, when he's in the middle of a game. I mean. He's not a spring chicken, but he's a pretty young dude to be having issues like that. Are we, are we yeah. already? Are I mean, we we'll, seeing the end of the? Yeah, Urban I mean, we'll, we'll have to talk about that some other time. But you, I'm not the only one that's thinking this. When you see stuff like that, all the stuff that's gone on, I don't know how much years it took off his life that whole month he was away from the football program. But I guarantee it killed him. You're, you're seeing something like this manifest. The the team looked good when Ryan Day was running yeah. it. I, I don't know, man. There's something more here. We don't got time right. to talk about it this week, but pretty interesting. Well, I wonder what that means for Urban in the off season. I, that I wonder if is he going to get surgery. If I don't think did. you take. I don't think you remove cysts from your head. That's not the easiest thing to do. So. I don't know. I'm yeah. not a brain surgeon, <laughs> but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Okay, let's go through our eyes on big power rankings. Starting at the bottom, we've divided these into five tiers. The lowest tier, tier five, Rutgers at the bottom, next Nebraska, and at the top Illinois. Yep. Okay. Only one team that's doesn't have a win out of there. Um, off the side. I think Illinois is very close to getting into Tier 4. And right now, obviously, we'll, Rutgers. We'll find out this weekend. Okay. Um, yeah, so, of course, Rutgers has a win, but it's a bad win. Nebraska has a lot of close losses to right. pretty solid teams. So, that's why we put Nebraska ahead. Tier 4, at the bottom, Purdue. I'm sorry, at the bottom is Minnesota. Next is Purdue. 
and at the top is Maryland. Uh, tier three is going to be Michigan State at number eight overall. Next is Northwestern and Indiana at number six. Tier two is going to be Iowa. If I could pause you right there. What I find interesting is Northwestern is in the third tier. They're ranked seventh. Mm-hmm. If at the beginning of the year we <laughs> we would have said that Northwestern was going to be ranked seventh at this point in the season and have a two and three record with losses out of conference to Duke and Akron. Akron. I don't know. That's not a good look. But the thing is, you have to put them. You have to put them in front of Michigan State. You have to. They went head to head, right? Yeah, which is why we and and they're 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 trending up. They're trending up. They're doing what Pat Fitzgerald teams do. They're trending up. They're doing Pat Fitzgerald things right now. So our tier two teams are Wisconsin and Iowa. Wisconsin over Iowa, obviously with the head to head win, and our tier one, Ohio State is obviously the clear cut number one. We have Penn State number two. Michigan number three. And that could be our, our favorite 2A, 2B between Penn State and Those Michigan. Very, very close. The deciding factor for us is right now, I think you can say they have equal losses. Michigan losing to Ohio State uh, and uh, Michigan, losing, uh, Michigan to, losing to Notre Dame. Notre Dame yeah. But I think Penn State has the best win right now In with App State. State. Yeah. I mean, App They're State's looking impressive. Great right now. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that ends uh, housekeeping. All right, so that will move us on to the games. We, this is week seven. We have no buys to report to you because every Big Ten team is playing this week, all 14 teams. That is seven games to go through, so we will start with the first game, and when you think of Big Ten football, you think of the Rutgers Scarlet Knights going to the Maryland Terrapins. <laughs> so Rutgers one and five, Maryland three and two. This is an eleven o'clock a.m. game. Big surprise! It is on the Big Ten Network. Maryland favored by twenty-five and a half. So we will first start with Rutgers. What What do you want to say about Rutgers? Well, I, I just want to say I'm really excited to watch this historic rivalry take place yet again uh, in, in, uh, in uh, Big Ten called? history, Big Ten lore. Yes, but it, and now I, I, College Park, thank you. Oh, okay. how, how can I forget that? Such a storied venue in the Big Ten. So let's talk about Rutgers here. I think, first of all, they got to hope for bad Maryland to show up, don't they? I think so. I think that's the, your, your, your starting point for winning this game. And, you know, that we've seen bad Maryland, you know, not only Temple, Michigan, but for most of the Bowling Green game, we saw bad Maryland. Maryland has two players out on defense. This could give them a little bit of an advantage on, on the offensive side. Now, Jerome Washington's injured, but Tyler Vokalek, was stepping up big time last week against Illinois. So we need Art Sitkowski to keep the ball to his own team. Correct. Don't turn the ball over, Art. Please don't turn the ball over. And it'd be nice to see the offensive line block somebody. Or as John McNulty likes to say, the people. Yeah, the, the people. people. <laughs> um, my main na- note that I have down for Rutgers is I don't know what they're playing for right now. I, yeah. I cannot imagine that they think – they're going to make a bowl. Um, unfortunately, I have been on 
a few bad football teams. Uh, it's not fun. Uh, practice is the worst. Yeah. You you do not want to go to practice when a team is bad. It's not fun. Yep. When practice isn't fun, people aren't flying around. Guess what? That makes you worse on Saturdays as well. I'd be pretty nervous about that. Moving on to Maryland, um, I think you kind of already touched on it a little bit, but you could you could probably pick a couple teams out of the Big Ten as far as who's the streakiest. Uh, but Maryland would definitely be part of that discussion for the streakiest for sure. team in the Big Ten, probably the streakiest team in the Big Ten. Um, yes, they got beat last week. Yes, they kind of got dismantled by Michigan. I mean, oh, yeah. for three quarters of the game, it's kind of hard to to fight against that. But now you are coming home. Um, they are still fighting for something. They Without definitely a have a bowl game in, in grass in, or within view. Um, looking at the, the matchup, it's almost – it's straight comedy. It's always a good matchup if you're going against Rutgers right now. Yep. And with Rutgers not being able to stop hardly anybody, Maryland, when they get streaky, they can do it both on the ground and throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. If you are stopping them cold, it's because you are you can't stop them from running the ball and they have to throw on third and long. I don't think Rutgers can stop them from doing any of that. So to me – the streaky good Maryland is going to come out because they're going to hit big plays at the beginning of the game, and it's just going to continue on for the rest of the afternoon. Yeah, so one of the notes I have down here, you're talking about just things not being fun and then people not following their assignment. They haven't been following their assignments all year on defense. I don't know why they're going to start right now. So I don't see them slowing down the running game. I'm just curious, can Kasim Hill complete a forward pass? Yes, this week he will. I'd like to see it. And I think it's it's going to be because um, – the offense is going to get in rhythm early. It's going to be fine. It's going to stay there. Maybe Rutgers does a thing or two, but Maryland's defense is not that bad. I thought this point spread would be around three mm-hmm. touchdowns. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's at 25 and a half, again, this is probably overthinking Vegas stuff, but to me, that's just more of a reason to take Maryland. I think what people think this final score is going to be is like 49 to 10, like something crazy like right. that. I, I'm 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 taking Maryland. I'm not going to cha-ching it, but because because no. I'm going to fall back on the old adage of if you gamble on two shitty teams, expect a shitty result. <laughs> so I'm going to stay away from this one. But if if you put a gun up to my head, I would take Maryland. Okay, this is Maryland's largest conference favorite role since 2003. Okay. Now, of course, they were not in the Big Ten, but that's a long time. Largest 15 com- year largest spread. Largest conference favorite role. For that reason. Again, I I don't feel great either way in this, but I'm going Rutgers. Taking Rutgers and the points. Well, they they won for me last week. Yeah, we're on a streak. Yeah. All right. One game streak. On to the next game. Kind of an interesting one. We got the 0-5 winless Nebraska Cornhuskers at the 2-3 suddenly winning Northwestern Wildcats. This game is at 11 o'clock a.m. on ABC, which blows my mind. And Northwestern start out a bigger favor, but they have shrunk down now to three and a half. So starting with uh, uh, Northwestern, something kind of okay. interesting. With their two and three record, they are zero and three at home, two and zero on the road. Wow! So maybe this isn't a good thing that they're coming back into Evanston to play Nebraska, where this will be a virtual home game for Nebraska, even at the 0-5 record. I fully expect at least half, if not more, of Evanston to be filled with red. And I believe, I thought I saw today that the three times that Nebraska has played at Northwestern since they joined the Big Ten, Nebraska's won. 
Yeah, it's in, it's in been a, actually a road a road winning yeah. type of thing. Right. Yeah, for the for this matchup. And I, th- so it's they're they're three and three total since they've played each other since they joined the Big Ten. Um, on the Nebraska side, good news: run defense not needed this week. Well, I, so that kind of gets us it right into the matchup here a little bit. Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to screw up. I'm pre precursor. I'm going to screw this 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 saying up, but it's the immovable object against the uh, unstoppable force. Whatever. Okay. No, what, I think that's right. Was that it? I okay. So whatever the opposite yeah. of that, that's what we're looking at. So what we're talking about here is Northwestern's almost complete inability to run the ball, yep. going up against Nebraska's almost complete inability to, to stop. stop the run. So Nebraska is 109th in rushing defense mm-hmm. in the country. 206 yards a game they're allowing. That's 5.18 yards a rush. You're, you're getting halfway to a first down every time you try to run the ball on Nebraska. Northwestern on the other side, somehow even worse. They're 127th in rushing offense. That means there's only one team that's wow. worse than them. Lord. I don't know what's worse, only rushing for 77 yards a game or the fact that they are only rushing for 2.36 yards a rush. Wow. No, I made up my mind. Actually, that's worse, only being yeah. able to run. for Because sometimes you, you, you might only run for 77 yards a game because you're a passing offense, yeah. and, and you just kind of use the run to kind of offset the pass. Well, that's kind of what Northwestern has been doing the past couple weeks is yeah. that. They're, they've just put the game ball into Clayton Thorson's hands and, and let him win games. I think they'll continue to do that. This so, week. you know, if you are Northwestern's offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. okay, yes, you're winning games with Clayton Thorson, okay, but you still want to win the Big Ten West. They, they can still win the Big Ten West. They had a, the, hey, It's possible, yeah, right? It and possible. if you are a player or a coach on the team, you are still angling towards winning the Big Ten sure. West. Okay. Uh, uh, one of their players was like a player of the week this week. He got interviewed by Big Ten Network, and, and okay. he, he brought that up. Gaziano. Great interview, by the way, of course, because he's oh, a have to go back Northwestern guy, and he sounds intelligent, sure. and it was all that good stuff. But He'll be our boss someday. <laughs> so he said, of course, you know, that's our goal to still win the Big Ten West so you want to establish the run at some point in the year as it gets colder and colder so as Northwestern's offensive coordinator Mick McCall right would you not try to start running the ball this week well I mentioned this last week they were mostly playing from what I saw uh, Drake Anderson the true freshman he's a small guy I mean he's Damian Anderson's son. Damian Anderson's son. He makes Justin Jackson from last year look big. Uh, he's not ready to be playing Big Ten ball, at least from a visual standpoint. I don't know where John Moten is. He wasn't carrying the ball very much last week. So I, maybe some, maybe John Moten's injured. If that's the case, I don't see you establishing the run right now with Drake Anderson. Okay. Just don't see it happening. Now, I wanted to bring up Nebraska seems to statistically get to the quarterback. But that is skewed. Their first game, they had six or seven sacks on Colorado, and they only have like five since then. Yeah. So I was thinking, well, they may be able to get to Clayton Thorson. I'm not so sure about that anymore. No, I mean, Northwestern is doing a good job of protecting Thorson, and Thorson's doing a good job of delivering the ball. Yep. And, of course, what is, what is Northwestern typically great at? Playing clean, okay? That mm-hmm. means – Limiting the turnovers. And then how about this for another okay, let's disparaging stat? Northwestern has 16 penalties all year. 
Wow. Okay. Top tops in the country. Really? Northwestern averages almost 11 penalties a game. Nebraska does. Excuse me. Nebraska averages 11 <laughs> penalties. Ten and a half, right? A game. Right ten, at ten and a half. Ten. So Nebraska or Northwestern has almost committed as many penalties the entire year wow. as Nebraska does per game. Okay, I'm embellishing there a little bit. The whole point is so you the, get like an 80-yard advantage right there. Right right b- there. Before they kick off. Right. But and and then drive stoppers, uh drive continuers for Northwestern, all of that stuff you would think gets cleaned up at some point. By the way, that's coaching. That's on Scott yeah. Frost. Um that that if that continues to play out this week again in this game, that's a huge advantage for Northwestern. Well, absolutely. Now, what can what can Nebraska do to win this game? I think a good mix of Adrian Martinez running and passing, throwing to those awesome wide receivers, Spielman and Morgan, um, obviously committing less penalties, uh, less turnovers. But how effective are they going to be against this pretty good Northwestern front? That's what I'll that's what I'll be watching in this game. Okay. Nebraska's O versus that stout Northwestern D. Which gets us to this question. Who is the real NU? It's, okay. So they we, we, have more, we have more followers on Twitter, quite honestly, on the Northwestern side. Yes, we do. Um, but the fact of the matter remains, Northwestern is the first NU. Well, they are a charter member of the Big Ten. They've been a member since 1895. Nebraska joined the Big Ten in 2011. And the NU thing, by the way, they're called the University of Nebraska. Correct. Northwestern is called Northwestern University. Doesn't that end the debate right there? That It should end right there, but you know that's a big eight thing. University of Colorado is CU. University of Missouri is MU. Okay, well, that University, sinks it up again. That If it's a big eight thing, right. we're in the Big Correct. Ten. So. University of Oklahoma hmm. is OU. Interesting. University of Kansas is KU. Why do they do that? that? That's all those schools I just named are big eight schools. Crazy. It's good research, man. Nice work. Yeah. All right. Who you got in this game? Whoa. Yeah. I guess we got to choose the game. Wow. It's three and a half now, huh? Yeah. How, how much did this move up to? Do you know? Not sure. Hmm. I am going to go, since Northwestern's such a low scoring team, I think they're going to win a close game, but I'm picking Nebraska here. That is literally my exact same okay. feel. I I think this is this game typically comes down to the wire. Yep. Um would it surprise me to see Nebraska win this game? No. They're they're still fighting. They uh, this is a proud program. It doesn't necessarily mean that it shows up and wins, but I think it shows up that you don't just uh quit playing the game. <laughs> I think they're going to keep fighting. I don't know who's going to win this game. If you put a gun to my head, I would say Northwestern. Because of that original kind of thought process, I'll take the three and a half points yep. and, and Nebraska. little history here before we move on. The, the last time these two teams played before Nebraska joined the Big Ten, do you remember when that was? The 2000 Alamo Bowl, I believe Northwestern was a co-Big Ten champ. I think there was like three or four co-champs that year in the Big Ten. Nebraska beat Northwestern 66-17. to 17. Close one. I remember that one well. I remember exactly where I was. Good game by Uncle Rico. All right. Up next, the 4-1 and one Iowa Hawkeyes traveling to sleepy Bloomington, Indiana to take on the 4-2 and two Indiana Hoosiers. This game is at 11 o'clock a.m. It is on ESPN2, and Iowa is favored by 4.5. So first up, Indiana, my couple thoughts on Indiana. I already kind of used the the best coach team in the Big Ten, but I really want to give them credit 
for how clean they play, how well they are doing almost everything. When you look up their stats, mm-hmm. if, if you want to know where they rank, total, total scoring, total uh, uh, scoring allowed, total offense, total defense, basically they're 60th in everything. Wow. Okay. Which is not great, but that's that's – Pretty but darn good, and I think it literally yeah. – it. when I watch Indiana, and I've watched quite a bit of them this year, um, nothing jumps off at the, out of the screen with me, Agreed. good or bad, yeah. and I can't really name anything they do amazing, but right. I can't name anything they do horrible. That's literally what their stats – bore out on, on how, how this team is. I mean, if you're 60th in the country at everything, that means you're um, at least a mid to upper tier Big Ten team. Yeah. And and that's what. And by the way, their so defense far. was ranked quite a bit higher until it played Ohio State last Correct. week, and they took Correct. a big drop. So we've got a blueprint for what Indiana wants to do against great teams. We saw it last week, right? Pretty much abandon the run and just use Peyton Ramsey as much as possible. Spread it around to that stable of of wide receivers. But they, they don't want to. Do that. They don't want they, to do that. They want this to be a they, 55 to 45 type of mix. Like, it could switch one yep. week to the other. But they, they don't want to bomb it all over the field. But do you think they can run the ball effectively against Iowa? I do not. I don't either. That's why I just think it's going to be the Peyton Ramsey show again. Now, nothing against Peyton Ramsey. I think he's a perfectly capable Big Ten quarterback. But I don't know if he's the kind of quarterback you can just hand the ball to, like Clayton Thorson, and say, win the game, and it gets done. No, I think he still needs to be somewhat in schedule. Uh, but I tell you what, when I rewatch that Indiana-Ohio State game, mm-hmm. and a lot of this falls on Ohio State, they were just chunking out big plays on second and third down like it was nothing. Yeah. And some of it was manufactured plays. Some of it was just – it was Peyton Ramsey playing pretty well. I just wonder – how much any Indiana fan wants that to be the Indiana office playing offense playing out the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I again, that's not what they're, they're shooting for here. But also, I would t- take advantage of the thin linebacking core for, for Iowa right now. If, so if, switching to Iowa here a little bit. Yeah, maybe. If, if I'm, the, uh, if my, if I'm my, Mike DeBoard, pardon me, Mike DeBoard, the uh, offensive coordinator of Indiana, I'm just going after those linebackers. I'm doing jet sweeps. I'm doing mesh patterns uh, when you're throwing the ball, and I'm just tiring them out as much as I can. Yeah, so switching over to Iowa a little bit, that's, that's what's going on right now for Iowa. Um, almost the entire back seven is banged up. Mm-hmm. Um, we are down to two freshmen, true freshman cornerbacks. That's who played versus Minnesota. Not quite that bad at linebacker, but pretty bad. Um, yeah. um, Amani Jones uh, was the guy that actually was the opening day starter and got benched for Jack mm. Hockaday. Then okay. Hockaday got hurt in the Minnesota game. Amani Jones will be available in the second half, like we talked about. Um, the linebackers that will roll out, they've all played. We've had okay. this weird rotating chair position at, at everywhere at linebacker. Every linebacker that we're talking about being out is going to be available to come back by the end of the year. Some of them maybe as early as next week, but but not this week. Um, you're right. If if and on the other side, the D line remains a a constant. It's been the best unit in, on the football team for without Iowa a without a doubt. Yeah. But I tell you what, right now, um, there is more confidence in Iowa's passing game so switching to the offense here a little bit Mm -hmm. yes Nate Stanley is currently this year the 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 story on Nate Stanley is 
a very good quarterback that makes one boneheaded play every single game. And yeah. it's and it's like amazingly boneheaded. It's it's like you could tell your grandkids about that boneheaded play. I'll be telling my grandkids about that pass against okay. Minnesota last week. <laughs> um, but all around that is very good quarterback play. Two, and this was very exciting to to Iowa fans, our wide receivers. Our wide receivers took a big step up in the last couple yep. weeks. Um, the tight ends have been there forever. By the way, we're not 100% sure if Noah Fant is going to be available in this game. He got dinged up. Oh, is that uh, right? Ivory Kelly Martin, is. we're not 100% sure as of now. Okay. Um, nothing with an injury. It was kind of concussion protocol. I, I mean, rooting between the lines, it seems like at least uh, Ivory Kelly Martin is going to play. Long story short, this isn't your daddy's Iowa offense lately. This looks to be a much more explosive yep. Iowa offense. I agree, and I'm glad you brought up Nate Stanley because I do have here in my notes uh, defensive ends for Indiana. They don't get a ton of pressure on the quarterback, so I'd like to see Alan Stallings, Raquan Jones get after Stanley and maybe force him to make a couple of those boneheaded mistakes instead of just one. Yeah, um, so kind of switching up or finishing up with just the, the game. So when I looked at Indiana's schedule, okay, um, you have to give them credit for when they've played an – okay to not good team they mm -hmm. beat them yep. right that's their wins the two good teams they played well ohio state's definitely good they got beat by them at the time we still thought michigan state was good yep michigan state has really honestly kind of looked the same the whole year we'll get into mm -hmm. them more in a little bit here but that was still enough to beat indiana right by doing one thing correctly which was stopping the run michigan state's okay against the pass that was enough to beat to beat Indiana. Yep. Isn't that kind of the same thing that Iowa is on defense? Definitely can stop the so. run. Okay against the pass. Not fantastic. But Iowa's got a better offense than, than, than Michigan, Michigan State, State has all year long. For sure. Yeah. Well, Indiana's historically been kind of a Thornton in Iowa's side, right? 100%. The sleepy Bloomington, Indiana that I used at the beginning. Yeah, I don't. You may, you may get our Indiana fans a little salty there. I understand. They're used, um, they're and and, you, and you talked about how beautiful the stadium is, and I think that's I love great. It. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, for 11 o'clock kickoffs, mm -hmm. th there is a, a little bit of a, uh, a snooze factor going on for both teams. It has played onto the, the, the game. More than more times than I can comment when Iowa comes into Indiana, that mm -hmm. literally is like the weirdest home field advantage I've ever I can ever think of. But that's what that's what happens to at least Iowa when they go into okay. Bloomington. They just they're not ready for the game. Can't explain it. So, a uh, little few stats here on Iowa. They are sixteen and zero, straight up fourteen one and one against the spread in their last sixteen games as a road favorite. Not bad. Wow. Yeah, so I'm kind of torn right here. I liked Indiana until I saw that. So I think I'm going with the Hawkeyes here. Minus the I, four and a half. All that stuff that I see, and it almost got me to, to roll with it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I feel a shootout. I feel okay. some version of a shootout. I Good old have this newfound faith in Iowa's offense. Mm -hmm. I do believe with what you're saying, Okay. They're going to try to throw the ball, and they're going to have some success doing it because we're just that banged up, especially in the first half. It's going to be yep. even more so. So I like Indiana and the 4.5. I think there's enough points in there that Iowa still wins the game. Okay. What I really like in this game is 52.5, which is the over-under, okay. and I like the over in this game. I think this is going to be 
a little okay. bit nutty. I think this is going to be 34 to 31, 31 to 30 type of game. I'm excited to watch. All right, moving on to our next game. This is our last 11 o'clock a.m. game, and this is on FS1. The 3-2 and two Minnesota Golden Gophers traveling to the horseshoe to take on the 6-0 third-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. First up with Minnesota, um, crazy little bit of a week this week. Um, the Minnesota started out 3-0, and fan base feeling great. Yep. Team feeling great. Maybe feeling a little too great. Maybe a little Got too, a little too great. There. I think we kind of talked about that a little bit on the podcast. Now, after losing two games, and, okay, the Maryland game, I'm not saying it was surprising, but it wasn't like it was the craziest thing to see. We both picked we both, Maryland yeah. to win that game. Um, this week on Twitter, a former, a former player uh, tweeted out, how and he is an older player okay. basically who, who was d- it done with pj fleck um uh give me two seconds here jim carter at hurricane three four five zero i don't know who okay. the guy is doesn't like he bell. played in the 80s he's, he's okay. around that age basically saying i don't like pj fleck we should have a coach more like paul crist so he even rubs it in okay, even so, more by so basically what he's saying is i don't follow the gophers program but i'm gonna have an opinion about them something stupid like that yeah it riled up gopher fans well it should on both sides well there was there's people that are that's piling unfair. in which is stupid i think it's unfair on PJ. okay and then and then obviously it riled up gopher fans on the other side in support for pj so i know there is that faction there but i mean come on it's it's year two people. year two it's yeah. the second year in and i'm gonna toot my own horn here a little bit okay. you can go back in our preseason yep. podcast when we talked about minnesota i remember saying it on the podcast I remember saying it to my gopher buddies when we were golfing i said you watch this people were too excited for PJ after year one yeah. for like winning five games for what he did. He's not going to have as good of a year this year because it's going to be a complete overhaul and watch the local press and a big faction of Gopher fans just give up on PJ halfway through. And Oh, by the way, that's going to be unfair to boat boy. Yes. Which is happening right now. And I will say it again. It's not, it's not fair. This, this is almost a complete rebuild no, that they had it is. coming into this year. I mean, you, look at, uh, you just look at the roster right now. A lot of the talent is, is the freshman class that's on the field right now. It's clear that the, kill, the end of the kill era and the clays there, they were not recruiting very well. And so the, the, don't expect – you shouldn't have been expecting a bowl game this year if you're following the roster. And, you know – I think next year they may be setting up for a bowl game, but this is a rebuild. I know that Clay's won nine games, but it was going to be bad no matter what. If Clay's was still here, he, they would not be playing any better than they are right now. And I agree that works. making a bowl game is tough, but I would set their season over under right now at about five and a half. They've got three yeah, wins. Yeah, they can still do it. Right I don't want right. say that they can't. So do I, think, they- I think a big goal in this game is to not get major players hurt. If yeah. this gets ugly early, just just sit some guys. Speaking of players, did you see that uh, Daniel Falale, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, has been tabbed a starter. He replaces the much maligned Sam Schluter at right tackle. This and I might have his height and weight a little bit wrong, but I think it. he's nine foot four, six hundred and forty two pounds. I, you're you're off by just a hair. He's six nine, four hundred pounds. This is a guy from IMG Academy, so he was a teammate of the quarterback, Zach Anikstet. And Schluter was just he was a liability in pass coverage. So they're just putting a huge body in there, hoping that you, you got a longer way to run around him to get to the quarterback. 
All right. Um, so switching to Ohio State, you know, the third the third rated team in the country and the best team in the Big Ten. Okay. What do you think is the bigger story for Ohio State? How amazing Dwayne Haskins has been. Mm-hmm. That's a positive. Good or on the negative side, how not so good, and I think you could say bad, the Ohio State defense has been for giving up big plays. What do I think is the bigger story. Correct. I mean, I think it's defense because your your goal this year is to make it to the college football playoff, and right now with that defense, that's that's what's going to be their Achilles heel, right? That's what's and and, and their goal isn't to just make the college football. They want their goal is to win it. If they don't now every now you could go around to the top teams, and I think you could pick out some stuff that is not going so so well, except for Alabama, and. I hate to toot both these horns, but Notre Dame as well. They've been solid yeah. on both sides of the ball right now. Now you get into Clemson, Georgia. There's stuff that you can point out Correct. all around with both of those teams. But this is a glaring issue. I mean, right now, the Ohio State defense has allowed 20 plays of 30 yards or more. That is the wow. most in the Big Ten by a lot. When Nick most Bosa, in the Big Ten. Most in the Big Ten. More than Rutgers. This is the, Ohio, this is the silver bullets we're wow. talking about here. Um, so that what we're and when, uh, Nick Bosa went out of the Iowa game last year, their, their pass rush and seemingly their whole defense mm. just sat down. Does Nick Bosa make that big of a difference to the, to this defense? I, they have talent any, everywhere. It shouldn't make that much of a difference. And, and if it does, something's wrong. Right. So I'm glad you brought those big plays up because that's kind of what I would focus on. If I am Minnesota's offense. now their offense is terrible. 111th in the S&P. So you don't have a lot of playmakers right now, but the ones you do have, Ty Johnson, you got to try to get him the ball, uh, Rashad Bateman, get him the ball. And I would I would not give Mo Ibrahim as many carries as Bryce Williams. Bryce Williams is a more explosive player. I'm giving him the ball before Ibrahim in this one. Yeah, and I tell you what, I, if I am Minnesota, I try the Scott Eviter package yeah, over and just over. Just mix it up, sure. So moving on like to that. how I think the game's going to go, I think there's going to be a lot of points in this game. I think Minnesota's defense was good. It is no longer good. The The loss of Anton Winfield Jr., mm-hmm. I believe it now. I've seen it. It, it has hurt them big time. Okay. But I, until Ohio State shows that they can stop the big plays, right. I think they're still going to happen. I think Minnesota – at the beginning of the game, they're going to start taking shots. I think they're going to hit them. I think Ty Johnson and Bateman okay. are, are good players. I think they got other players, too, that they can get points on the board. I like Minnesota plus the 29.5. So I also like Minnesota minus the 29.5, the but I'm just curious how, how how much can they get after Haskins because that's how we've seen Ohio State oh, they're, they're offensively. They're putting, Haskins is putting up points. He is. Because, by the way, 59.5, this is another this is another over. I like that one, too. I'll take a cha-ching on that yeah, over right there. Yeah, we double. But I'm looking at the defensive line for Minnesota. Carter Coughlin's their only pass rusher, and, and he's not a true defensive end. He's a guy that should really be at linebacker, but they have to put him at defensive end. Local kid from Eden Prairie right down the road from where we are right now. But I, I just don't see them getting to Haskins, so I think he's going to light him up. But officially, you like Minnesota like and the, the points. I like the Gophers and the over. plus 29.5. Now – Minnesota is two eight and one versus the spread in Big Ten games in the last two years. Hmm. Yeah. In the Interesting. Boat, in the boat boy era. Not two, great. Two eight and one against the spread. Just in, so they've only played yeah 
11 Big Ten games Correct. so far. Okay. Yes, two, eight, and one against the spread. Rolling along here. Next up, we got the three and two Michigan State Spartans traveling to the four and one eighth ranked Penn State Nittany Lions. This game is at 2.30, our first afternoon game. This is on the Big Ten Network. The line is Penn State by 13 and a half. So starting out with Penn State here. Um, this was the same scenario that, that Iowa was in this past Saturday against Minnesota, which is both coming off a bye and coming off a really tough in-division loss that puts you a game and a half behind the team that you just lost to. What is Penn State's mentality going to mm -hmm. be heading into this game? What is their mentality going to be? I think their mentality is going to be just fine playing at home in Happy Valley. I think they're going to be ready for a solid Big Ten team to come in too. so that they can show the world that they are a legitimate contender. Okay, I do too. Well, I'm interested to see what can Trace McSorley do against this great Michigan State Rundy because they really haven't seen an outstanding running quarterback yet. I mean, this guy is as good at the read option as anybody in the country, probably. Yeah. So can he crack the code and, and, and actually gain yardage on this Michigan State run defense? And we're already seeing this the same way. This one might have to be kind of more of a mashup because we know what Michigan State is, right? They can The one thing they can do amazingly off the charts is stop the run. Yep. Everything else has just been okay. Their, their pass defense is just okay. The, their offense right. is not good at all. Not very they're, good. they're not doing anything well. Um, I still the, think Brian Lewerke is a good quarterback, by yeah, the way. I but, still think um, they, they've got good talent at receiver. But the problem is right now, when they can't get any kind of balance going, and everybody knows that Brian Lewerke be. needs to throw the ball, and sure. he's rushing things, that's why it's all, it's all come crashing down with Michigan State. Yeah, the good news is they get – some receivers back that have been out, Jalen Naylor and a couple other wide receivers will be in this game. Obviously, you're going to need them, but you're going to have to establish some sort of run if they want any chance in this game. Um, and the Penn State defense still baffles me. Yeah, I still don't know what yet. to expect from them from week to week. Um, but but very much so, The one of the most intriguing things to watch in this game is – does Michigan State get their defensive line, their rush defense cracked? Not by Penn State's running attack through the running back, but does Trace McSorley yeah. bust off 100 yards or somewhere around 100 yards himself, and then the running backs add another 50 yards or so? If that happens, this is going to be a tough game for Michigan State to win. Especially because they can, you know, if they get Michigan State's defense rattled and they start stacking the box a little more, he'll just drop it over the top on them. Right. To K.J. Hamler or, or Juwan Johnson, DeAndre Tompkins, whoever. So I'm going to give you two scenarios here, okay? And I, I feel like these are the two scenarios that are going to happen, and I want you to just tell me what you think would be the one that you would see the most. So one thing that I think we've kind of talked about is Penn State has the penchant to playing down towards their competition. Is that something that you could say is pretty fair? I would, I would say that's fair. Okay, so here are the two scenarios. Penn State does play down to Sparty. It's just kind of an ugly game. There's not as enough offense there for Michigan State to win the game, yep. but it's just kind of a blah, laissez-faire. Or it's just a bad matchup for Michigan State 
because of all the things we just talked about, Penn State can just get the ball going with Trace McSorley, get the ball going for what they have to do on on offense. Besides that, and and that happens. Which which scenario of those you think is most likely? I like the first scenario much more. In fact, I really like that first scenario. I think that's how this is going to play out, and that's why I'm going with Michigan State plus the thirteen and a half. Okay. I don't know which one I'm making my mind up on for those two scenarios, but here's what I do know. In both those scenarios, if if this game gets hit with the ugly stick or if this is Penn State that just gets out on them, keeps them down because there's not much for Michigan State to score and do, mm-hmm. in both cases, I love the under, and this is 53. Mm. Yeah. And if you put a gun up to my head right now, I'm going to say Penn State, go ahead and cover that 13 really? and okay. a half. Because I can see in both scenarios, the one would be 27 to 10. That's a cover. Yep. The other one I could see, you know, honestly, 20 to twenty to 3, yeah. something that <laughs> sure. bad. Just, sure, there, no. There's not enough there. Michigan State is an underdog for the first time this year. Did you know that? Wow. In their last... 21 games as an underdog. They are 16 and 5 against the spread and 11 and 10 straight up. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, Moving hold, on. Hold on. Before we move on, sorry about that. Before we move on, we should mention this is a trophy game. Ah, yes. They play for the Land Grant Trophy, perhaps the ugliest trophy in <laughs> college football. <laughs> they have played for this trophy since, of course, Penn State joined the conference in 1993. Uh, they are permanent rivals. That was established when Penn State joined the conference. The all-time series is, is Michigan State, actually, 16, 15, and 1. Wow. And playing for the land-grant trophy, Penn State leads 14 to 8. So right on, right on the line for the overall series. So Yeah. Okay. All right, moving on to the next game. Yeah, that's right. We kept this one second because this one's pretty intriguing to to us, the the Eyes on Big Podcasters. This is the two and three Purdue Boilermakers traveling to the three and two Illinois Fighting Illini. This game is on Fox Sports One. The line is Purdue by ten and a half. Uh, starting with Purdue first. One thing that I would wonder, okay. I feel like you know what they want to do on offense. They're not going to shove the ball down your throat by any no. means. We know that Rondale Moore, uh, David Blau, tons of guys that you could point to in the receiving core, they are are doing their thing, right? This is what we expect Purdue to be on offense for the rest yep, of the year. they're a finesse team. Do they come out of the bye week with somewhat of a wrinkle on defense, something different that – Offensive coordinators haven't seen up to this point. Well, they certainly wrinkled it against Boston College, didn't they? And they stopped that amazing running attack of A.J. Dillon. Correct. Now, this is another great rushing attack, but it's it's kind of a three-headed monster running the ball for Illinois as opposed to the A.J. Dillon show. So I'm, I'm curious, can they stop all three of these runners? And by the three, I mean the quarterback, A.J. Bush, Reggie Corbin, running back, Mike Epstein, running back. Right. So, again, we moved through Purdue quick, but, again, we kind of know what Purdue is right now in the season. Illinois, and I can say this as an unbiased non-Illini fan, this is a real, living, breathing, good rushing attack that Illinois can roll out. Well, it certainly is that. So, Illinois has the number one and number two ranked Big Ten rushers 
in yards per attempt. Who who would have ever thought that at the beginning of the year? So Corbin is number one in the Big Ten. Mike Epstein is number two. They're the only team in the country to have more rushing yards right now than they did all of last year. Wow. They, that they, that kind of talk speaks on last year a little bit. but uh, Maybe talk, maybe says something about the offensive coordinator from last year. They went from 106 Shot. yards per game to 260 averaging. That's so an insane turnaround. Right. So, But, the, you know, they stacked the box against Boston College. They stopped Boston College running the ball. And what happened? Brown could not throw the ball and complete it downfield. Now, we saw A.J. Bush last week pretty shaky. So I think, you know, if they can at least slow him down on the ground, A.J. Bush is going to be called on to win this with his arm. And can he do that? Can he do that? Uh, I don't think we know that. I don't think we have that answer yet. We've n- we don't have a big sample size for A.J. Bush, especially against good competition. So getting into this game, again, intriguing matchup to me. Um, this really, the winner of this game, tons of stuff hinge on this. If Illinois wins this game, everybody in the Big Ten has to suddenly stop, take notice, and say, are we all counting Illinois as a win way more than we should right now? Correct. On the other side of it, I think Purdue's already shook that with, you know, getting hot after the, you know, the first couple of weeks not looking so Agreed. good. If they lose to Illinois, suddenly they're in kind of back to meltdown mode to a certain degree. Right. Big game for both teams. Big game for both teams. If Illinois was to win this game, that gives them a lot of momentum. With more winnable games on the schedule, they start thinking bowl game at that point. You, when, I mean, they would they would be four and two right. at this point. And I mean, nobody two, two games to win at the rest of the year. You're right. definitely thinking bowl if they can pull this out. Right. So we should mention this is another trophy game. They're playing for the Purdue Cannon. Uh, the name of the trophy is the Purdue Cannon. Yeah, That's really I'm, unfair to. I'm not a big uh, fan of that. <laughs> no. But 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 let me tell you a story. This is how the Purdue Cannon Trophy came about. In 1905, Purdue fans brought a real cannon to Champaign-Urbana. Ballsy. To fire it off, assuming that their team would win. Their team did win, 29 nothing. But a student by the name of Quincy Hall and several other Illinois students confiscated the cannon before they could shoot it off. Huh. But So I'm not sure why... They, well, I guess it came from Purdue, so that's why they call it the Purdue Cannon. Gotcha. But Quincy Hall kept this cannon for I don't know how many years and then eventually donated it to the two schools to play as a trophy. Well, one of these days we got to stop and see where Florida Roysdale is buried and where the, the Purdue Cannon is residing. So he, he took it to his farm somewhere in Illinois. I can't remember the name of the town. And the, the barn that it was in eventually burned down, and, and that's when he, he donated it. So the all-time series, Illinois leads – 44 to 43. We got another all-time series that could be evened up this yes, weekend. Yes, with six ties. Now, for the Canon, Purdue leads comfortably 35 to 29 with two ties. All right, so looking at how I think this game is going to go, this is another one. I, I don't typically love the over-unders, but this seems like this should be a high-scoring game. I just don't see it that way. Mm. I feel like... There's going to be points on the board, don't get me wrong, but I think Illinois can do enough to slow down Purdue. I think Purdue can do enough to slow down Illinois to bring this. So I, the over-under is 62, so I like the under. And I don't love this. There's nothing I feel good either way on this game, but if you put a gun to my head, I'm taking Purdue to cover the 10.5. This just feels like uh, 
It feels like a 31 to 17 type of game for me. I can see that. 62 is a lot of points. This is Purdue's largest away favorite role since 2007. Hmm. How about that? Here's a little trivia for you. These two teams once went 11 years without playing. As conference foes, well, they went 11 years. That's a shame. Not even sh- That must have been something political. Or, yeah. It was I a mean, long time ago. It was like 30s, 40s. So oh, I think it was oh, probably okay. like... School presidents had it out against each other. Yeah, those presidents. Well, I just think at home, this is homecoming game for Illinois. They will be wearing their famed gray ghost uniforms. And by that, I mean their awful gray ghost uniforms. They seem to be universally disliked by Illinois fans. The last iteration was pretty good. These are not so good. But they're, they're wearing the blue lid that I like, but not with the orange eye. Anyway, I just think it's too many points. On the road for Illinois, I'm going. I'm or for for Purdue. I'm going Illinois. Taking Illinois in the points. I'm taking Illinois in the points. All right, that brings us up to the that is the number fifteen ranked four and one Wisconsin Badgers traveling into the Big House to play the five and one number twelve ranked Michigan Wolverines. This game's at 6.30 p.m. on ABC. The line is 7.5, favored by Michigan. The over-under is 49. Starting up with the Wisconsin Badgers. Yikes, this is a banged-up defense that is traveling into Ann Arbor. It certainly is that. Um, I'm going to start with them on offense. Jonathan Taylor, obviously can't fumble the ball. Alex Hornibrook, no interceptions. That's what it's going to take to win this game. Michigan is probably going to slow down Jonathan Taylor on the ground, at least initially. Don't give up on the run. Keep running the damn ball. That's what you do. Because I don't think you can rely on Hornibrook to win this game. But, okay, I got to stick up for Hornibrook here a little bit. Um, He's played in the last two games he's played in that were big-time games the bowl game and the Iowa game, he came through. This is a big-time game. Hornibrook seems to be the guy that lulls you to sleep and expects you to look look like crap. Then he comes out with big games like this. He does lull me to sleep, but I have seen him have some good games. Now, Xander Newville is out at tight end. He's out for the season. That's another another loss for them. That's a big check-down guy for him. And and right now, it's just – the whole death taxes Wisconsin defense thing that it's been for years, people still expect that Wisconsin defense to roll out of the tunnel wherever they're, they've been playing. It just isn't the case right now. Switching it over to Michigan, quietly, Michigan has been doing pretty good things on offense. Again, and I feel like I say this every week, but they, they are not designed to be – uh, bomb it all over the field type no, of offense. This is a it's conservative always offense. going to be a conservative ball control offense. Why do you do that? Well, number one, I just don't think they have the the uh, pass catchers on the outside to do that, although there is rumors that Tariq Black could come back pretty soon. Um, and Donovan Peoples-Jones has been a good wide receiver this year and seems to be getting better. Shea Patterson se- seems to be getting better. Without a doubt. The offensive line has been doing better. Really what was kind of killing Michigan for a while there is just kind of bad drops when they couldn't have them, mm-hmm. a penalty taking a first down back when they couldn't have it's it. killing them against Northwestern. When you pull that out of the Michigan offense – 
then it clicks together with that amazing defense, and it and it all starts to work. So you mentioned quietly they have been playing well. Shea Pedersen is completing the ball at 69%. Almost 70% of the passes. He has a 10-3 to touchdown-to-interception ratio. He's having a great season. And right now, I think the type of defense, <laughs> ironically, that it would take to just shut down the Michigan offense would be the Michigan defense. You need to get at Shea Patterson. Don't give him a chance to scramble around. He can, But if you give him a chance to move around, which I don't think Wisconsin can sh- shut them down to do, Agreed. I see a I see a big game for Shea Patterson here. Uh, yeah, certainly. Now, what what I think is going to be the key for Michigan here is Khaki Pants has to coach him up this week. This is typically the game that they go into every year where they lose and they underachieve and and the Michigan fans start bitching and moaning. So he's normally gonna- reserved for Michigan State and Ohio State because they've had flashes of you know amazing play in the Penn State but game. I- I guess what I'm trying to say is they have not looked great in big games up to this point in the khaki pants era. But this year, 2018, you know where they have looked great? In the big house. They are a completely different team away from Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. They are, I want to say unstoppable, but darn near unstoppable at home. I think we've already kind of alluded myself, I, maybe you are too. Seven and a half points typically is enough. I can't remember the exact stat, but I think Wisconsin has kept the game within a touchdown in Big Ten play for 31 straight games. Maybe I'll you give got... it to you. Hasn't lost by seven or more points in the last 33 Big Ten road games. Road games. Road games. So that's even more of it. I was going to cheat them out a yeah. little bit. <clears throat> but all good things come to an end. Mm-hmm. I see a 14-17 to 17 point win by Michigan wow. here. The 49 points for the over-under, I like the over. No, I don't think Michigan's going to win this game. 52-10, to 10, it's not going to be anything like that. I think it's going to be a comfortable 35-20 to, to 20 type of game. Okay. Now, Michigan, we should point out, does get Rashawn Gary probably back for this game, perhaps even Chris Evans, the running back, back for this game. A couple more stats for Wisconsin. They are 16-1 and in their last 17 Big Ten road games. That's just straight up. They are 9-1-1 one, and one against the spread versus Michigan this century. <laughs> Man, you're getting the good, yeah. getting the good matchup ones out this that? week. That's why I am going with Wisconsin. Really? I am. And straight up? No, I'm not picking them to win the game. Okay. I'm just picking them to give cover. Me, just give, give me a roundabout game score. Um, how about 28-21? About okay, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, so that... What's the math? That's that's literally 49 points. That is the over-under. There you go. Oh, that's pretty impressive, man. You push. didn't even try to do that. I, know I did not well. try to okay. do that. All right, so that gets us through a pretty darn good. This is, I don't know if the term sneaky good applies. This is just a good Big Ten football weekend it's with a these, great with these matchups. Like, there's something to point out with the, every one of these. I cannot wait to be done with this whole work well, thing even, and, and, and get watching these games. Even – we decided separately that one of our favorite games this week was Purdue, Illinois. For how sure. Many, how many times does anybody say that? But I honestly think it is when you look at the matchups and what yeah. it has to do. And I, I mean, so. you could point out, you know, we went through it obviously, but Northwestern Nebraska has got some things to point out. Iowa, Indiana, that game could go either way. That's what yep. makes all these matchups ups good. So, all right. So, really quickly, because I think we got a pretty long podcast here, moving on to the good games around the country. Um, Georgia. At LSU, that's a 2.30 game. Mm-hmm. 
Georgia favored by seven and a half, which I that's that's in that's at Baton Rouge. Yeah, two thirty though. They're usually playing those night games. Yep. But still, I mean, that stadium is going to be rocking and rolling. Absolutely. I, I don't know what to think about this game because I'll be honest with you. Georgia's getting a little too much love for my take. Yeah. The only good team they have played so far, and, and calling them good is a little bit of loose terminology, is Missouri. Missouri had a chance. That was a one-score game. Missouri had a right. chance to go down and, and make Georgia sweat that out big time in that game. Right. I don't know what to th- – I don't think either one of these teams are as good as – I don't think uh, LSU should be – Ranked, to be honest with you, they got two losses. I just don't think they're that that good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Georgia's. I think Georgia's good. I just don't think they're number two good. I mean, I, I like LSU in the points Do in you? that game with really? the seven and a half. I think I'd err towards Georgia. Okay. Uh, another one that I'm pretty interested in. Uh, number nineteen, Colorado going to USC. Colorado has not lost a game. USC okay. has lost twice. Co- USC still a seven and a half point fa- wow. uh, favorite in that game. And by the way, that's a 9:30 game. So if you got any gambler degenerate delight to look out for, like I like to, that's one to look at. I tell you what, I, I just I heard another podcast today. I by the way, we jinxed Kentucky last week. We, yeah, we, we did. We we uh, chatted up Kentucky and gave them a plug. Colorado here. I'm jinxing him again. I, I like Colorado. I do too. I, I, I like them to win this game. I hated the other podcast. Of course, what, when when a Colorado-like team plays a USC team, what, what does the podcaster announcer have to say? USC is the more talented team. Always. You know what? Maybe they, Of course, they've had better recruiting rankings. Right now, from what I'm seeing, there ain't nobody on the field for USC that's better than LaVisca Chenault. That guy yes. is an oh. absolute stud Absolutely. to watch at wide receiver. I, I like Colorado on the points I do in too. this game. All right, another one. I don't know if you're gonna roll your eyes at me, but some uh, suddenly West Virginia is into the top ten, the number six ranked team in the country, going into Ames to play Iowa State. This is everybody's darling upset pick of the week. What do you think mm. about that? What's the spread there? Uh, six and a half points, West Virginia. Well, Iowa State hasn't been looking great. I mean, by the way, that started at four. Wow. So it started closer to Iowa no State kidding. by the Guidos. But Iowa State's a tough place to play. Yeah, and it's it's a night game. I, I get yeah. that. Um, they've got new blood going on with their uh, new quarterback, uh, which, by the way, was actually a pretty big recruit out of Georgia. Um, Purdy? Ah, Brock yes, Purdy, Purdy, yeah. Brock yeah. Purdy. Um, I don't know, man. I got to see Iowa State win a big game like this this year. I know they got two of them last year. I would take West Virginia to cover the six and a half points. I think I'd probably err towards Iowa State here. Really? Not to win the game, though. Just a close one? Yeah. Muddy it up. But speaking of Big 12, uh, Bobby Diaco <laughs> got uh, fired as – or I'm sorry, hired as the offense or defensive coordinator. I'm sorry. At Oklahoma. Correct. After they fired the, their defensive coordinator this yep. week. Just a little um, national news there I thought I'd point yeah, out. Yeah, so, so Bobby Diaco, we'll end on this. The other good game, I guess, is Washington-Oregon. Washington at Oregon. Um, Washington's favored by three. I actually like Oregon to win that game outright. Mm. But uh, – yeah, so uh, Bobby Diaco, uh, for those who don't know, he played at the University of Iowa as a linebacker. Um, he was old enough where he played with uh, my oldest brother, who played at Iowa. Young enough where the year after he was done playing at Iowa, he was my grad assistant. Okay, So Bobby Diaco is straight, straight up East Coast Italian. Okay, So... I was running scout team running back, 
when I first got to Iowa. So his job as the grad assistant was running the scout team offense, which basically you just hold up a, a play card. You're running the plays that the other team typically runs in certain situations so you can give the defense a good look. Um, I remember I, I obviously can't remember like who it was or, or who were uh, you know emulating that week or whatever, but I remember this. I remember it was cold that day, okay? Bobby, Di- Bobby Diaco wore, and I'm not making any of this up, he wore an outfit that was exactly, exactly like the outfit that Rocky wore in Rocky Four when he was training in the snow with the in Russia. On. With the bomber jacket, with the big white cuffs that come out the collar yeah, yeah. and the end of your sleeves, sure. with, with the hat. He that that's what he wore and the hat. Yes, that's what he wore to practice to run scout team. It was the most ridiculous thing I have ever seen. There was a linebacker at Iowa at this time uh, named Vernon Rollins, who I believe was also the from the East Coast. Uh, he had the head he had a head the size of a five gallon bucket <laughs> that was filled with straight cement. M- meanest person on the field, really nice guy off the field actually. There was a I can't remember what the play was, but. Diaco was like, hey, this guy runs this play hard. You got to run this thing up here and surprise the linebackers. So I grabbed the ball, ran up a a gap as hard as I could. Vernon got off his block very easily from the scout team uh, uh, offensive lineman and hit me so hard that it didn't just like hurt a part of my body. It reverberated through the entire body, like out my toes. And I was walking back to the huddle and I was just making this noise. Like that, yeah. And I get back, and Diaco, knowing that I'm from Iowa, goes, <laughs> "They don't hit like that on the farm, do they, Iowa boy?" <laughs> Good old Bobby Diaco. We should point out that he was Nebraska's defensive coordinator. Last yes, year. yes. And and now the joke, of course, with Bobby Diaco is, do you feel the strain after the the? You remember last year when the defense was going horribly. Yeah. And he was trying to explain how hard yeah. his players were were trying to. I and he kept remember. saying, "Can you feel the strain? Can you feel the strain?" Nebraska fans, rightly, rightfully, have had a lot of fun making fun of that over and over again. Mercy. So, yeah. But nobody falls forward better than Bobby Diaco. That's one thing we've known. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I yeah, mean, he, I he mean, just he just winds up getting another job. The Oklahoma job. <laughs> Not too bad. All right, um, that's all I got for this week, man. You got anything else you want to add? That's all I got. All right, we really appreciate listening. We really appreciate the feedback on, on Twitter. It's been getting more and more. Uh, please uh, uh, subscribe, forward it to people with your phone, however it's the easiest way to do it, and we really appreciate it. Enjoy week seven of the Big Ten Football Conference. Enjoy the games. All right, thanks a lot. Bye.